the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You have been exempt from divine wrath. If, indeed, you've been justified by faith, we'll talk about that here today on Truth For Today with Phil Howard. Romans, a marvelous book, providing for us some amazing and marvelous insights into God's amazing grace. We've been justified by faith through Christ, having peace with God, amongst other things. Amongst them, promise of exemption from divine wrath. We're exploring the depths of that statement today. Please join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's program. The wrath of Romans 1. I will abandon those who abandon me. And the judgment for sin is more sin. When you sin a lot and God abandons you, he'll enable you to do more sin than you ever realize. And it multiplies and multiplies. And pretty soon, Sidon and Tyre are no more. The Philistines are no more. The inhabitants of Canaan are no more. Abraham, I'm not going to bring your descendants into Canaan because it's too dirty a place. Let me eliminate. Nations will come and go at the will of God. Come and go. I will abandon those who don't want me in various national abandonments. And he can abandon anyone who does not love the truth. So God has been active in displaying his wrath. At least those ways he has acted in history. But I think what you can miss easily, and you do not want to miss... I would say the sixth way that God has shown his wrath, not only hell, not only the day of the Lord, not only cataclysmic events, not only cause and effect, not only abandonment, but God, from his point of view, has poured out his wrath on a hill called Calvary. And from God's point of view, as he let his son hang on a tree that he gave up as a lamb. His wrath, he said in Romans 3, did three things at the cross. The death of Christ bought somebody. We were redeemed. Two, it propitiated, which is translated means it satisfied the righteous anger of God towards the sinner's sin. The Father has been satisfied when he poured out the wrath. And you say, why didn't he do it for days and days? Because of the quality of the person on that tree, six hours of Christ's suffering, bore all the wrath of God against the sinner that would have to bear it forever. God was thoroughly satisfied. Now, you've got to get that firmly fixed in your mind. Because all other theology seemed to say, 
Your future's not guaranteed because not enough has been done to guarantee your future. Your future is not for sure because the cross is insufficient. An insufficient Christ, an insufficient atonement, an insufficient payment demands more payment. Demands more. The wages of sin must be paid. And I say, you mean it wasn't enough at the cross? Absolutely not. We've got purgatory for you. We've got investigative judgments. We've got Protestants who add up works at the end and see if you did a good enough works to get through the pearly gates. Instead of coming up, what will be your plea on that day? Oh, let me read what the songwriter said. Don't get me upset here. Listen to what he said. I love this line. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. When I get in front of the Father, I'm saying, if you let me go to hell, you will have to undo what Christ did for me. I have trusted Christ and Christ alone. Let us not talk about my merit. I have none. You saved me when I was ungodly, when I was a sinner, when I was weak. You did not save me on the basis of merit, and my future is not guaranteed on the basis of personal merit. It's based upon Christ who died. That's why he's getting rascals to heaven. Do you believe that? Oh, I wish you believed it. I mean, this is everything. Your future. I was in that group that he described that your future was not sure because even after I got saved, I was put on probation. Soon as I got saved, I was told, don't you do any sin. We used to sing a song, sin shall never enter there. And I said, that leaves me out. <laughs> it leaves me out. You got to be holy. You got to be perfect. Well, God did save us to change our character, did he not? And he will. But, and guess what? If you live to be 195, you will still be needing to be changed. You will still have a sin nature that will still make you act cranky, grumpy, and anybody said only God could put up with you. That's right. That's right. Only God. But is your future guaranteed in justification? Listen to what he says. He says right here, much more having been justified by the blood, going back to the cross work of Christ, we will be saved from divine wrath through Christ. And there's a lot of divine wrath ahead of us. The day of the Lord, the lake of fire, who knows the cataclysmic events yet to come on the earth. And we're not saying, and Paul will say in Romans 8, we're not exempt from sufferings in this life. We groan in this life. We die of cancer. We die of diseases. He's not saying we're immune from all earthly suffering, but where divine wrath is being poured out. Even death. Isn't death an enemy? Doesn't death remind us of sin? 
And Jesus says, don't worry. That's going to be my last one I eliminate. Someday I'm going to resurrect you from the dead and show sin. You can't even win in the graveyard. The cross has defeated you in the graveyard. I will raise the dead. I will raise the dead. I thought we ought to just take a look. How has God in the past, when he poured out his wrath, And I think if you want to see the cross, one of the greatest descriptions is Isaiah 53. God made his soul an offering for sin. God let him be bruised for us. But in chapter 53, 10, the Lord was satisfied, was satisfied to put his own to death. Listen to what Augustus Toplady wrote. This is beautiful. The work which his goodness began... The arm of his strength will complete. His promise is yea and amen and never was forfeited yet. Things future are things that are now. Not all things below or above can make him his purpose forego or sever my soul from his love. Sounds like Romans 8, 37 through 39. Nothing could separate us from the love of God. My name from the palms of his hand, eternity will not erase. Impressed on his heart, it remains in marks of indelible grace. Listen, 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 listen. Yes, I to the end shall endure. As sure as the earnest is given, more happy but not more secure. More happy, but not more secure. The glorified spirits in heaven, angels in heaven, aren't any more secure about their future than what I am since I've taken Christ. They're more happy because they're up there not taking any Motrin. (laughs) They're happy because they don't need any caffeine to wake up in the morning. But they're not more secure. When God justified you at that moment, he said, we've already reserved a seat for you in the third heaven, for you've already been glorified, and I'm seating you with my son up there until your body catches up. You're seated with my son. Them whom he justified, he glorified. Think of history. God tells a man whose neighbors laughed at him for 120 years, and every Saturday morning they're awakened with, A building project said he's gone nuts. Everybody's moving away. He's in a crazy building project. One thing about it, he never used any nails. That helped the neighbors. There's no nails there, but you know what? He made it three stories high, one door. You could only get into the ark from the side. And he pitched it. It had a leak-proof pitch, and the word for pitch was atonement, kafar. And when he got in there, can you imagine being out there about two weeks? Says, what if it springs a leak? We brought no life rafts. God's means of escape is leak proof. We go down here in Exodus 12. And you hear the wailing and screaming throughout Egypt. Because this is the night that the death angel is going to kill every firstborn of animal and firstborn. Now, you'd be mighty nervous if you had a firstborn child and they were around that house and said, tonight, I'm going to kill them. 
because Israel's my firstborn son and Pharaoh will not let him go. So tonight I'm going to kill every firstborn son. And you could hear the screaming and the screaming. There was one group that wasn't screaming because God had made arrangements to be exempted. He said, if you kill a lamb and you put his blood on the doorpost, when I come down through Egypt, all I'll be looking for is the blood on that doorpost. And when I see that, I'll tell the death angel, it really means leap over or pass over. That's where the word comes. Jump over that house. Jump over. Jump over. Jump over. Pharaoh's son is dying. The Egyptian sons are dying. The cattle are dying. And you got a band of slaves down here called Israel. No crying because the lamb was enough protection to keep a death angel out. Now, 1 Corinthians 5 says Christ is our Passover lamb. And this Passover lamb was slain for you at the cross. And once you put faith in him, you get under the blood. See, a lot of some of you younger Christians, you don't know any of this sacred language. Blood, what's that? What's that? This is what it is. It's going back to somebody died in your place. And this blood covers. That was the word for atonement, covering. So that you can say, I'm covered. I'm no better than the Egyptians. Matter of fact, the Egyptian man may have done less sin in that week than I did. But guess what covers me? Not a sinless life, but a slain lamb. What about being down there when all the plagues were falling on Egypt? They fell on Egypt, 10 of them. But you had a little band of people down here related to Abraham living in the land of Goshen. And the plagues never hit there. Isn't that interesting? I wonder if they had interballistic interceptors. No, they just had the hand of God. Or let's take this same band of people when they're fleeing without any weapons, without any chariots. We got pregnant women. We got babies. We got old men. And you come to a Red Sea and you go across. And here comes Pharaoh and his army, the mightiest army in history up to that time. And there they are walking across. And God puts a pillar of cloud behind them to protect them, opens it up. And in Exodus 15, Miriam pulls out a tambourine, starts singing. Pharaoh and his horse, he is cast into the sea. But we of the seed of Abraham have been delivered. But Pharaoh and his chariot has been cast into the sea. Our God can protect his own. He's done it in time. He would do it for all time in the future. This is our God, our God. You don't have to get happy over this. You stay depressed. <laughs> You're saying, I'm struggling with the present. I, I, my taxes are due. I know. But your future's sure. Did you know what I noticed as I was reading about purgatory and indulgences by Lorraine Botner? I never knew this, but he quotes this. He said, there are no songs in the Catholic hymnal about heaven. I'm quoting Botner. That may have changed, but when he wrote the book... He said, no songs about heaven, because nobody's sure they're going to be there. You're not sure you're going to be there. Do you think you've got to stop off at purgatory? And even some of the popes felt that for themselves. Think of, I'll meet you over there. Where? Over there. Where? Over there. When? 
And something that in Catholic theology they never could describe is how long purgatory would be or how short. They never could measure that. Some were, have to be there for centuries. Imagine growing up all your life and going to the funeral of your loved ones and said, well, after 3,000 years in purgatory, you might see them again. You take for granted that when I die, I'm with the Lord. When I die, I go to heaven. So you just take it for granted. But the majority of those who call themselves Christian do not have this hope. We know that those who have been justified will be kept from the wrath of God. Now watch this. Hear this. If the death of Christ could reconcile you, could satisfy the Father, cannot the present life of Christ protect you from anything in the future that looks like wrath? He says you'll be saved in the future by his life. Well, how's that? It will be a living Christ that resurrects the dead. It will be a living Christ that will rapture the church. It will be a living Christ that will reward the righteous for their deeds. It will be a living Christ that will rescue us from the day of the Lord. It will be a living Christ that will put down his enemies. It will be a living Christ that says, Father, I died for that sinner. A living Christ is my guarantee for the future. A living Christ. A living Christ. A living Christ. And then what's my assignment? What's left to do? Verse 11. I'm going to just stop. You know this never finishes. I'm just stopping. It's verse 11. Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God our Lord, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And this word we now rejoice or boast It's the word literally to boast, and it was used negatively in Romans 2. The Jews boasted that they were the only ones that had it. It was a vain boast, inward boast. But you know what I found with people? Everybody wants something to boast about. Every boy wants to have a dad he can boast about. Everybody wants something. He said what God's going to do, verse 11, what your future is, You're going to spend all of your future boasting on the God who justified you, reconciled you, and kept you from wrath. You get to spend all eternity looking and pointing to him. Boasting in him through the Lord Jesus Christ. The story is told of a man when the Mississippi River was being overrun with uh, different vessels that one man was working the river, and while he was doing that, he fell out of the vessel he was in and was drowning. And it just so happened that a Mississippi River boat was coming down through there, and the captain was able to steer his boat there, rescued the man. The man worked the river all the time. And every time that particular vessel went by, He'd always point out the captain that rescued him. This is the man that rescued me. This is the man that rescued me. And he ends this marvelous verses 1 through 11 with praise. He said, we will boast in our God who through Jesus Christ did what was impossible, took an ungodly man and declared him righteous. 
took an ungodly person and imputed the grace, righteousness of Christ, took us who were enemies, and before we got out of the court, signed adoption papers on us. says, you're not only forgiven, I'm going to make you my own before you get out of court. Have you ever been to an adoption signing? Deborah's two sons are children of drug addicts. The mother's had five. She can only get pregnant. She wants to raise none. Deborah and Sean, before they got married, said, if God ever gives us the strength, there's so much pain in children in this world, even if we have children of our own. This I found out because I told her, don't adopt, don't adopt. I didn't want her to. And she one day kindly says, listen to me, Father. My husband and I talked about this in courtship, that someday we would try to rescue some children that have been abandoned. You talk about evangelism, what's wrong with rescuing children? With that, I said, no more, no more. When my wife and I drove up to that court and saw two boys that drug addict parents did not want to show up to contest, did not want to raise, there was no crimes against them, but to see that judge step out there and say, would you please sign here that you will become legal guardians and from now on you will feed them clothe them, love them, and treat them like they are your very own. I thought, oh, if these boys knew the mercy being given to them, that they may come to know Christ now from a drug addict home to a Christian home where they can hear the love of Jesus the rest of their life. And God took you and I out of our pagan darkness, our lost religious experience, and in his court, He declared us righteous, and more than that, he said, I declare you're mine. I have become your father, and you can believe this. As your father, I will never expose you to my wrath. That's for a world that does not want my son. You are exempt. I want to tell you, if you want to go through the tribulation, help yourself. If, if you want to hang around without any assurance, I was saved many years without assurance. I kept hoping. I closed with this story. A friend of mine in the group we grew up with had one of the most godly mothers and women that I, I've ever known. I love this woman. A wonderful sister. She could be my mother. A prayer warrior. Uh, oh, she and her sister were, if I get with her and her sister, we can have church. The man would be in there laughing, telling jokes. But those two gals, we can have church. I mean, we'd catch fire with them. They were something else. And they were pastoring in Fresno. And my ornery friend who just, ornery, and failed so much in this Christian life. Never thought he could live it. But I finally taught him in a school that salvation's forever. And somebody asked his mama, they were cleaning strawberries. Arkansas folks love strawberries, you know. They're in there doing all this cleaning. Mama, won't it be wonderful when we get there? She said, well, I sure hope by his grace I make it. He said, what did you just say? She said, well, I'm hoping to make it. He said, do I hear any uncertainty? Well, you know, I may not make it, but I'm hoping. Now, my friend Carl is a Christian, but he got mad enough to cuss. He didn't, but he redheaded. Mama, 
Do you mean you've known him for over 50 years and you can't say you'll be there? You can't say you'll be there? No, I can't. I'm not sure. But she's died since then. And Norma, I'll see you when I get there. She's there. But did you know what? It's not only the theology's true, but you can have the sweet assurance that when the death dew gets ready to lie on your brow and you're taking your last breath, And you start counting up, have I been good enough, bad enough? I just tell you on your deathbed, go to the cross. And once again, we've come to the end of our time together. Here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we lock things up for another day of broadcasting, we do so with a a way to contact us here at Truth For Today. If you have a question, a prayer request, comment, we would love to pray for you. If you have a praise report about how the program is encouraging you in Christ, we'd love to hear that as well. A couple of ways to reach out to us. The easiest, of course, our phone number, 855-833-9864, or our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, you have another way to reach out to us, and that is, especially if you have a question or a praise report, that you would like Pastor Phil to answer. Well, simply take your voice memo app on that smartphone of yours, record your question along with who you are and where you're calling from, and then email that bit of audio to us at tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, the email address is tftquestions at valleybible.org. So email that to us. We'll run it by Pastor Phil, and should we use it on the radio, we'll even let you know when. And as always, you can again reach out to us at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. You can also write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you partner with us financially, bear in mind that we are able to continue this radio ministry through you doing just that, joining other friends and family members of this ministry to ensure that this program continues its ministry in the greater Bay Area. Please consider that as you reach out to us, and then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name.